we will be picking back up in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. So if you want to follow along yourself, you can open up your copy of God's Word to Luke 9, starting at verse 57. Uh, And in this passage, Jesus is calling us today, this morning, to count the cost of discipleship and to commit to him, whether that's for the first time or uh, for the thousandth time as a believer. Let me read from Luke 9, starting at verse 57, and then we'll get into his word. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first, uh, let me bury my dad. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's ask for God's help. King Jesus, would you show yourself strong in my weakness? Would you speak to us this morning to the heart? Help us to be still, to be present to you, to put aside um, our to-do list for the rest of the day and the upcoming week, and to sit at your feet and listen. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, The military and Jesus have a strange way of recruiting people. If you're watching commercials in between a sports game or your favorite show, You know, you'll have all of these commercials talking about your best life now, getting the best cheeseburger, getting the latest beer, enjoying life. And then you have the Marines. It's going to be hard and you're going to get wrecked, but it's going to be great. Come join us. In this passage, Jesus kind of takes on that military recruiter stance and he calls three different men to count the cost of discipleship and then to commit to him. In this passage, we have three potential followers who are kind of on the fence about Jesus. And he's going to help them, each one of them, in their personal way, count the costs and see what Jesus demands of disciples. So for this morning, this sermon is particularly geared to those of you who are considering Jesus. Maybe you haven't fully committed, but you're thinking... I might want to follow him. This is for you. And then for those of you who have been following Jesus for many years, uh, as we've seen in this chapter, as we've experienced in our own lives, we often lapse. We lose focus on Jesus. And so this will be to refocus us. In this passage, Jesus seeks fully committed followers who have counted the cost. Jesus is seeking fully committed followers who have counted the cost. And we'll see first that he calls us to commit to a path of suffering then to commit to a kingdom proclamation, and finally, commit to endurance. So let's look at this first man that comes to Jesus in verse 57. So they're traveling along the road. Remember, Jesus has an itinerant ministry, meaning he travels from place to place, and he's proclaiming the kingdom, he's healing people, he's casting demons out of people, and he's going with his disciples, and a man comes on the road, and he's an enthusiastic, uh, prospective follower. He wants to sign up on this Jesus thing. And he says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. He had resolve. 
He was sincere. If this person came into our church this morning, would be like, jump right in, let's sign you up, let's go on this Jesus thing. Our immediate response is to welcome people right in. But Jesus doesn't do that. His response might surprise us. He issues a warning. He says, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests. But the son of man, referring to himself, has no place to lay his head. He's basically saying to this man, really, wherever I go, you'll go? My road is hard. It is cold. It is damp. There'll be late nights and early mornings. And by the way, I'm headed to Jerusalem to be crucified. Will you really go with me wherever I go? So we see throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus welcomes and he warns people. So over and over and over again, we see the gentle beauty of Jesus where he welcomes the people who are broken, have nothing to offer him, who are needy, sinners and sufferers, and say, Jesus, you're all I have. But we also see throughout the gospel that Jesus continually warns people and saying, if you follow me, it's going to require total surrender. And so what does this mean for us? I don't think any of us have a traveling ministry where we forsake home, friends, and family, and we go from place to place to place. The closest thing we have, like the nearest thing in American culture, is like uh, tent revival evangelists in the South from decades ago. I'm sure it's still going on, but people who go from place to place to place. What does this look like for us to count the cost to follow Jesus, who had this homeless itinerant ministry, when we ourselves have homes and we're not really going anywhere? Jesus isn't saying, okay, to be my disciple, you have to be homeless. Now he's saying, you can be homeless to be my disciple, but you don't have to be. We know that Matthew owned a home, Martha and Mary owned a home, Zacchaeus owned a home. Rather, Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you will not be at home in this world. It means being alienated in this world for your values, for following Jesus for proclaiming his gospel. So to be in with Jesus is to be outcast in this world. That's what Jesus is saying to us today. It means, it'll mean that we're social outcasts. We saw just uh, in the previous scene, Jesus went into a, a town in Samaria, and him and his disciples, they were proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and they were rejected. All the people in that town says, yeah, we don't want you, Jesus. We don't want your message. Get out of here. That angered his disciples, and they wanted fire to come down from heaven. But Jesus just received this as the path towards the cross. So if we follow Jesus, we're going to have to embrace the path of suffering. This also means that we're going to be political misfits. For Christians, it's probably a good thing that you can't find a candidate that you could fully back. Because Jesus is your king. He sets the rules over you. And so to follow Jesus, as we've seen with this first man, is to welcome a life of being alienated in this world. We don't have this man's response. We feel the tension is in the air. A decision has to be made. And maybe you're on the fence. A decision has to be made. Will you follow Jesus on this path of suffering? Jesus keeps walking on this road. And he sees a guy walking along. Instead of waiting for this guy to volunteer, Jesus looks at him in verse 59 
And he calls him to commit to kingdom proclamation. Let's look at this second man committed to kingdom proclamation. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first, let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. So the second man, he's just going about his life. He didn't volunteer to sign up to be a disciple. But Jesus looks at him like he looked at Matthew. Maybe like he looked at some of you and said, you follow me. This person is willing, but they have an excuse first. He has a great excuse. He says, first, let me bury my father. So either this man's father is already dead and he wants to take a couple days to uh, arrange funeral processions and stuff like that, or his dad is nearing death and he's saying, I just want to be around to take care of my father. Especially in Jewish culture, there was a high priority place on burying your dead parents. This man has an honorable excuse. He's not saying like, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I want to kind of hit up that new club in town first and just get it all out of my system. No, he's saying, I want to do something that's honorable, that's even commanded by the word of God to honor my father and my mother, and I want to bury my father. And Jesus says something that seems really harsh and hard. And for those of you who have had parents pass, this would be an extremely hard word to hear. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. It's kind of hard to understand what Jesus is saying here. He's probably saying something along the lines of, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. You go follow me. You're alive in my kingdom. And you go about the work of spreading this kingdom word. Don't hear what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying um, that you should not honor your parents, right? But he is saying that you should prioritize your relationship with him even over your closest family relationships. So for you kids, uh, this, this passage shouldn't be an excuse like later this week when like mom says, go clean your room. And you're like, no, I'm having quiet time with Jesus. I'm going to obey him and not you. Don't, that didn't come from Pastor Elliot. But he is saying in this extreme case that he, he's, he's pointing out that relationship with him takes priority over every other relationship. And when the king, King Jesus, comes to your doorstep, you drop all that you have and you follow him. I think there's a warning in this passage. Once again, we don't know what this man did. We don't know if he followed Jesus for the rest of his life or he went back to bury his father and never followed Jesus. But there's a warning to, to beware of the but first attitude if Jesus is calling you. If you're a parent or you're a teacher, you know exactly what I'm talking about, this but first attitude. Like, hey, kiddo, can you grab me that? Yeah, but first let me finish this drawing, right? Or maybe you're in the classroom and saying, all right, let's line up. And they're saying, okay, we'll line up. But first, let's uh, finish this Lego set or whatever. This is a delayed obedience. As one of my friends says, is fond of saying, delayed obedience is disobedience. And I just want to plead with you. If you're considering Christ today, if you're not a follower yet, you haven't believed in him 
lay down your sins, ask for forgiveness, ask for newness of life. If Jesus is calling you this morning to follow him, don't say, first, let me explore the world. Don't say, first, let me get my career in order. Scripture says, today is the day of salvation. And when we delay, we presume that we'll always have an open heart towards Jesus. We think, okay, we're totally in control of our own hearts and our motives. And if I'm going to delay, I'm going to pursue other things and then come back to Jesus. We're assuming that we're in complete control, but our hearts can grow cold to Jesus so fast. Uh, I remember with deep sadness, a really good friend I grew up with, and we were talking about Jesus. The funny thing is, I don't think I was following Jesus at the time. Uh, But he said something that stuck with me, even years later. He says, yeah, I I think I want to follow Jesus someday. I think I'm going to come around. But first, I want to explore the world and have some fun. And sadly, that friend is not walking with Jesus today. And in fact, he's far away from Jesus. So there's a warning here about this but first attitude. Don't put it off. Place your faith in him today. And I, I felt particularly warned even as a Christian who's been walking with Jesus for over a decade now. Maybe you have times during a sermon or you're you're reading God's word and you feel like Jesus is speaking directly to you, saying, reconcile that relationship. Ask for forgiveness. Repent of that sin. Pursue me in this way. Give to this cause. And you have that but first mentality in your heart. Saying, okay, Jesus, but first let me take care of the long work. First, let me, let me have um, this pursuit over here. But we're being warned here of having this but first attitude. And we should put a priority on following and treasuring Jesus above all things. He goes to spell what this looks like for this man. He says, don't go home. Let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. But you spread the news of the kingdom. He's saying, come with us and my team of disciples. We're going from town to town to spread the news of the kingdom. What is this news of the kingdom that Jesus keeps preaching? It's this. That the creator and king of this world has come into this broken world to restore it to himself. But he does it in a surprising way. Jesus' first coming, in his first coming, he doesn't come to crush his enemies, but to be crushed for his enemies, for their rebellious acts, so that they can be brought into his kingdom. So this king, King Jesus, is restoring our fundamental relationships with God and with one another. And this is the kingdom message that we're to proclaim. This is the kingdom message that this new disciple, this prospective disciple was to proclaim. To be honest, this is one aspect of following Jesus that if we could, like if Jesus today was like, okay, what's one thing that you could just take out of the job description of a Christian? This might be it for most of us, right? We, we're all about like, um, like putting on Christian character, embodying the love of Jesus, serving people wholeheartedly. But like we really don't want to stir the pot and open our mouths and share the gospel, share the, share the hard parts and even before we get to the good parts. So I just want to recognize the hard there. And we fear proclaiming, we fear talking about Jesus, his death and resurrection for us sinners, because we fear being misunderstood by friends and family, being persecuted, being rejected. But that is exactly what Jesus is calling us disciples to count the cost on, 
Remember, the first person who came up to him, he says, you have to embrace a road of suffering. Earlier in Samaria, they were kicked out of town for their message. And so it's not an option for us to give up this side of kingdom proclamation. This is fundamental to who we are as Christians. I wonder if you, if you think about all the jobs you've worked in the past. You probably come up with a long list um, if you're, you're not a kid. But if you think about all the jobs you've worked in the past... There's one job that has lasted throughout all of them. There's one job that will last a lifetime. You are a messenger of the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. No matter what job you find yourself at today, you are a messenger of the kingdom and you can't clock out of that. As one theologian put it, following Jesus is not a task which is added to others like working a second job. And so what does this kingdom priority look like as messengers of the kingdom? It looks like praying regularly for God's kingdom to come in your home, in your community, in your workplace, like we just did. Maybe it's intimidating thinking about sharing the gospel. The best place to start is by praying for your lost loved ones. Pray for words, pray for opportunity, pray for boldness to share the good news of the kingdom with them. And so Jesus says to this prospective follower, maybe he's saying to you this morning, to follow me is to put priority on your relationship with me above all others and to prioritize kingdom proclamation in every aspect of your life. There's a third prospective follower that comes up to him in verse 61. And for him, Jesus calls him to commit to endurance. Let's look at verse 61. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back and who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So we have another volunteer, a new recruit who wants to sign up to be a disciple and another delayer who's saying, but first let me say goodbye to the people at my house and then I'll join you back on the road. Here, Jesus says, don't look back, only look forward. And he gives a a farming illustration. He says, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. This man is in danger of getting stuck saying goodbye. I had the privilege of living about 10 years, a nice decade in Minnesota, beautiful Midwest. And a cultural thing in Minnesota, I think we have some Minnesotans in the house, is the Minnesota goodbye. Some of you know what it is. For those of you who don't, let me explain what the Minnesota goodbye is. So you're hanging out with some friends. Maybe you're having a Sunday afternoon cookout. And you look at the clock and it's about time to go. And so you said, you do some like, you know, socially acceptable gestures. You stand up from the couch. You're like, okay, we should probably go. And then inevitably you end up in the kitchen. Maybe you have a decaf coffee in your hand and you just start talking about something else. 30 minutes go by. You say, okay, we should really go. Have a good one. You go to the door and you start having a conversation at the door. Someone pulls out bars, which are like cookie treats, and you start enjoying those. And like three hours later, you're finally at your car going home. That's the Minnesota goodbye. And that's what this man is in danger of. He's saying, if you go back to your home and say goodbye to all these people, you might get stuck. 
You might not want to leave these people. You put your hand to the plow and come follow me. I wonder if we compared these three men with Matthew, the tax collector, and see what Jesus is really looking for when he calls disciples. If you go to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27, this is the calling of Levi, or another name for him is Matthew, the tax collector. And let's see what Jesus requires of disciples that he calls. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So, this is Matthew's response. Leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi, or Matthew, hosted a grand banquet for Jesus at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with him. But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples. They were saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to him, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. When Jesus called Matthew, Matthew left everything and he followed Jesus right away. And instead of saying, let me go home to say goodbye to all my friends and family, he says, Jesus, I'm taking you to my house to meet all my outcast friends, my misfit friends, and I want to introduce them to you. We see in Matthew's call to discipleship an immediacy in his response, a priority on his relationship with Jesus, a priority in sharing the good news of the kingdom. This is what Jesus is looking for in his disciples. And notice... Jesus isn't saying to be my disciple, you have to be morally pristine. You have to be perfect. You have, you have to go a whole day without sinning. He's saying, no, I call sinners and tax collectors, the worst of the worst and those who know it and know they have nothing, no hope, no future apart from me. Those are who I call and I call them to surrender completely to me. So that's what Jesus is calling this man to do. This is what he's calling us to do today. And he says, put your hands to the plow and don't look back. He's calling us towards kingdom focus. And this is pretty liberating. Some of you might be like me. You could get stuck in your head, keep rerunning failures from the day or for the week or just get stuck in the past. And he's saying, let all of that go. Your failures are forgiven. Your successes or your failures don't define you. Your relationship with me defines you. Let's move forward. And so Jesus is after faithful followers for the long haul, not fickle followers who will follow for a time and then leave him on the road. As we've looked through this long chapter in Luke 9, we see that his disciples, they often fail Jesus They often fail to understand his mission. Jesus is out here trying to save people, and they're trying to call fire down on the people in their mission field. But time and time and again, in their failures, in their struggles, Jesus calls them back to himself. He forgives them, and they commit to following him. So maybe you feel like a failure of a disciple Maybe you don't act immediately when Jesus calls you to follow him, to obey him. He's patient with you. And he's saying, commit this day to follow me with all of your heart, to put priority on your relationship with me.